you know, when someone gets baptized, we heard part of the, all of their stories had this kind of line in it, even though they didn't say it this way, this lifelong journey, this, it's, it's a step that continues. And um, it's so vital to understand that, right? Because baptism isn't something that just happens, but it's something that we, we live into and we move into and we walk into. Um, and it's so vital to understand that. There's a, a passage of scripture I want to read with us to just hear that a little bit. It's Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And uh, it says, maybe I'll grab, I'll grab my Bible once it gets on the screen. Oh, there we go. And here's, Paul, Paul gives us a glimpse of what happens. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Paul unpacks for us just in this brief phrase that something actually happens in baptism, that a, a new life, in a sense, is, is birthed, a new life of faith, a new step of faith. And we see it through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. When we see, like we saw this morning, people walk into the waters and literally sit in there and then go down almost like a dying and be under the waters like a burial and then being raised back up like a resurrection. It reflects the heartbeat of what happens to someone when someone puts their faith and their trust in Christ. And it's so important to grasp that. But you know what, what, what I was thinking about today? I was thinking about the tension that we often live in, even if we're baptized. Many of us in this place have been baptized at some part of our spiritual journey, and I have as well, uh, over 30 years ago. And what I understand as well is that often there's a tension because we know that we've come to Christ and we know that we've found new life, right? But then there's this tension because we often get tempted with the sin that Jesus died for, or we walk through a struggle, or we go through a doubt, and we feel that tension, and we say, well, if there's new life, then why do I sometimes struggle with the old life? And I, I like, Paul continues in this text, and he says this, continuing from verse 5, I want to read it together. He says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives... He lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We get this sense from Paul that something happens as we follow Jesus. This dying to self, this dying to sin, this burial of that sin, this raise to life, this, this new sense and new life is so, so vital. Um, and, and, and so, but did you notice he said something in verse 5 and in verse 8? Our kids are going to go and finish up something in Kids Quest. If you go to the next couple of slides, Beth, the, the, in verse 5, he says, For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. 
It's funny, the Apostle John writes later in, in, later in the New Testament, he says, talks about eternity or, or the, the resurrection one day or the com- second coming of Jesus. He says, when Jesus appears, we will be like him. It's future. Here, Paul uses a little bit of future language. We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. But obviously, I'm not resurrected. Obviously, those who have died in Christ aren't resurrected yet. This is a future promise, right? And he says that phrase again. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Yes, we get a sense of life with Jesus today. But there's a future promise. And and I want us to think about that because we're in this season called Advent, right? And when we talk about Advent, we often think right away, it's Christmas, but Advent, as we heard last week, is, is, is partly and really foundationally thinking of what is to come, that Jesus will return one day and he will lead and rule and reign. And the fullness of the life that he gives us in part now, we will see the fullness of it. And I want to do a little image here. And I thought sometimes we think the baptismal waters are only, you know, it just happens. The baptismal waters happen. But you mind if I take off my socks? Okay. So, uh, sorry, some of you guys might get grossed out about this. But, uh, and so, so I, I want us to think about something, and then you're going to see part of my legs. Um, becoming very vulnerable here. My daughter often asks me, Dad, what stories are you sharing? What are you doing today? I told her, she's like, please cut your toenails before you go in. So, so man, this is weird. Whoa, okay. So... I wanted to stand here because we see these waters as an end, as an arrival, as a climax, right? And when we, when, but when we see what Paul is saying and we see the, the, the theme even of Advent and this, this call in the scripture that Jesus, we will, we will experience a resurrection like his at some point, right? We come out of the water where we die and are buried and we're raised. And we often think, well, then I should feel the fullness of the resurrection, but in some ways, I was, as I was thinking about this text and thinking about these people, as we come right here to this spot, and anybody who comes out of the waters when they get baptized will leave the waters. But the real image here is that we spend the rest of our life following Jesus right at the edge of the water. We spend the rest of our life following Jesus with our feet still in baptismal waters. We do not just get baptized we get baptized and then live a baptismal life, right? The, so the course of my life as a follower of Jesus or the course of your life as a follower of Jesus, our feet, we always need to remember, our feet are still in the water. Yes, we have come out and it reflects the rising of Jesus, the resurrected life that we have, but our feet, in a sense, are still in the waters. Do you, are you, do you live a resurrected life? Do you have a resurrected body yet? Anybody here? I mean, tell me because we should know. Um, so that's, that's so true. Beth always thinks of something, food or towels, you know, something or other. Thanks, Beth. That's amazing. And so, so, um, and, and yet here's what I want us to imagine that as we live this life, never forget these waters, never forget these waters. As you follow Jesus, never forget that your feet are still in baptismal waters. We live out our baptism. And if you're here today and you haven't been baptized yet, and you wonder, when I get baptized or if I get baptized, does that mean that all of a sudden my life is going to be absolutely perfect? And I can tell most of us who have been baptized, we can say, no, it's not absolutely perfect. We promise you. But we, we continue to walk. We continue to live this out. 
And there's a few ways that we live this out, the way we wait. And our waiting is not just waiting. I think our guest speaker said this last week. It's, it's active, right? It's living. It's living. So three things I want to say, for, and they'll be on the screen. One is, we wait or we live with a, with a promise. And the promise is that, yes, we have risen with Christ. One day we will step out of these waters. When Jesus appears, we will be like him. When the resurrection takes place, yes, the promise is we will have resurrected bodies and we will walk into eternity and there will be a new creation and there will be goodness and kindness and justice and joy and we wait and we live with that promise. But we also, we wait and we live with a picture because as we look forward to the new creation, as the scripture describes a new heaven and a new earth, as the scripture describes justice and love and mercy, and when, when even the prophets started to tell us about this, that one day weapons will be turned into garden tools. It means that war will cease. When, when we read that the lion will lie down with the lamb and there will be no conflict, when we read that every tear will be wiped away, that's a picture of eternity. That's a picture of this promise we have of what, resur- what full resurrection will look like one day. But that picture helps us live today. We take from that picture and we pursue justice. We take from that picture and we pursue love. We take from that picture and we pursue joy and we pursue harmony and we pursue peace and we pursue mercy because we look forward to that. But because our feet are still in the water, we live in the tension of our broken world. So we say, we look to that picture, and we want to live like that now. Here's the next thing, what we do when we wait and live. We wait and live with power. We wait and live with power. We're not left alone to just live this life. We don't just walk towards eternity and live our life following Jesus alone. Paul specifically lets, un- unpacks this in this Roman letter to this first century church. He says, Jesus will not die again. Death has no mastery. You have died to sin. And now there's power available to you to live this life, this life fully open, fully for Jesus. And so even though there's a struggle and even though there's a tension and even though there's moments where we doubt and even though there's, there's seasons in our life where we feel like, oh gosh, is this really, you know, am I really experiencing the fullness here? There's power available to us. We can live with that power. Jesus promises us that power, amen? Jesus promises us that power. And so this, this idea that our past sins, and here's, here's what, when we, when we think of this image of us being in the water, what I feel is, you know what? Whatever I left in the water, it doesn't mean that it will never bother me again. But here's the beauty. It's not a battle that will defeat me. It's in the past. Jesus died And I died to that sin. And as much as we live in a world with sin and brokenness and conflict, my coming out of these waters is saying that this will never have mastery over me again. I might have bouts with it. I might have moments with it. But that is not my future. That's my past. And I look forward to the resurrection. And it's that power that helps me walk. It's that power that helps me walk. And I'm going to try and do this. I don't want to fall out. Um, The idea here... Is um, <laughs> I wanted to look hip, so I rolled up my jeans. Um, here's this last piece, and I want us to wrap up with this. 
Paul says, how do we do this every day? How do we do this every day? How do we walk this every day? And we didn't read it in this passage because it's a few verses down. In verse 13, in Romans 13, he says this. I want to read it with you. He says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. It's interesting. He says that even though he says already, death has no mastery. We are, the, you know, our sin has been crucified. He says, do not offer any part of, your sin, uh, part of yourself to sin. Be determined in this way. As, as, don't offer this as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. I'm going to ask the team to come up so we can close with one chorus, but I want to just let you think about this. Rather, offer yourselves to God, right? Offer yourselves to God. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument. So if there's one way that we can practice this daily, as we live with our feet still in baptismal waters, there's this determination not to offer ourselves as an instrument of sin. And then there's this offer. And I would encourage you every single day, would you whisper this prayer just this simple prayer, it's yours, Lord. It's yours, God. And, and begin to list mentally or in a journal or just you know, think with this for a while, maybe share with a friend and think about this and start, start listing the things you own. Start listing your talents, your gifts, your skills. Start considering the possessions you have, the experiences you've encountered, the relationships that are part of your life, and in a simple way, Offer all of that to God. And you say, Lord, I, wanna, I offer you everything I own. God, if, if you're renting an apartment or a house or the, the, the possessions in those homes, say, Lord, this is all yours as an instrument to you. God, this car that I'm blessed to use to get back and forth from places, Lord, this, use this as an instrument in your hands. God, the, the, the skills you've given me, whether I'm good at math or, or good at reading or night, good at poetry or creative or good with my hands, Lord, I offer this to you, God. So every day I live out my vocation in honor of my king. I offer this to you as an instrument to you. You look at your relationships, the, the people in your lives, even the people in your home and realize I don't own them. God, these are your people. These are your gifts. You look at the experiences you have and you stop and say, Lord, thank you. Whether this really difficult experience taught me this or this amazing experience, Lord, I, I pause and I say, I offer this to you as an instrument. I give this to you. Just whisper that prayer every day so you can live a baptismal life, not just look back to a baptismal experience. You live a baptismal life, not just look back to a baptismal experience. And you, we grasp that? I had a... I had a a high school music teacher, and uh, his name was Mr. Kershaw. And he was already older by the time I had him as a teacher. Shamadi High uh, Laval, and uh, I played the saxophone in that band. And, and I remember he used to do things, you know, he was, he, was, he was old school, right? And he didn't even care, you know, like today we're all germaphobes, right? Like we don't touch things, don't put anything in your mouth, whatever. Some kid didn't know how to play something, he'd like, here, hand me your clarinet. And he'd start playing it. That <laughs> yeah, wouldn't happen today, right? Um, <laughs> fill your mouth with, uh, what's it called? Um, Purell. Drink the Purell. Anyways. So, so, uh, but he would do that, right? He'd be like, you're having a hard time with that? Here, let me show you how it's played. He'd be like, ba ba da 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 It's like, oh, okay, here, hand it back. Somebody with the saxophone didn't know how to play his part. He's like, let me show you how it's done. And he would do it. And he, he could play every instrument. He took a trumpet and a tuba. He'd go behind the drums. He'd stand behind the keyboard. 
And, and one by one, when people would have a difficulty playing their part, what that instrument was supposed to sound like, they offered, Mr. Karshaw said, here, let me, let me show you how it's done. Let me play this for you. And that image was in my mind, what it means to offer ourselves to God as an instrument for his righteousness. He can play our life better than we can. So that's why we say, Jesus, you be Lord. You lead my life. You lead my life. And then God creates this beautiful, masterful piece of music with us because we offer ourselves to him. And as Simon does it and I do it and Laura does it and Stephanie and Marlene and Nathan and Cabby, as we all do that, all of a sudden it becomes this orchestra in God's hands. And all of our parts come together and we, we just by every day, daily, offering ourselves, Lord, I offer myself to you. I offer this gift to you. I offer my resources to you. I offer my kids to you. I offer my job to you. I offer my experiences to you. And then God starts to use all that. Amen? Let's sing this last um, chorus. Are you singing Christ is Enough? Awesome. Um, Let's stand as we do this because we want to just bring everything to the Lord and worship Him and call Jesus Lord of our lives. If you've been baptized at some point in your life, I encourage you to reflect on that moment to reflect on that decision and I encourage you yes it's something that happened but it's also something that is to come because it reflects God's future that we look forward to but every day we live out of those baptismal waters our feet are still in the water maybe you're here today and you haven't made that step of faith and I mean, it's, when you see people like today making this step of faith, sharing their story, sometimes it can feel a little overwhelming. But at the heart of it, God loves you so much and he longs for you to make a step of faith and obedience. In fact, even if, honestly, if you've made a step of faith today and you want to get baptized, let's chat right afterwards. The water's still warm. Um, make this step to follow Jesus, to trust Jesus. Let's sing this song and then pray together. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we call you Lord, leader, king, champion of heaven, ancient of days, mighty God, counselor, prince of peace. We offer ourselves to you as instruments to use for your purposes, for your righteousness, for your justice. And not not just for our benefit, God, but for the sake of your world. May we be your living and local presence, instruments in your hands, individually and together as a community. May we live out our baptism with our feet in baptismal waters, looking forward to the fullness of resurrection. yet firmly rooted in the life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. We live with promise. We live with that picture in mind to show us how to live today. And we live empowered by the cross and by your Holy Spirit. We give you ourselves, Lord. God, I pray for anyone here today who is 
just sensing a conviction in their heart to give their lives fully to you. May this day be a day where they also offer themselves for the first time to you. To know you. To know the life that you call them to. To know the promise of resurrection and eternity. To know the joy of your good news and your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.